tonight with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Here at high noon, Rick Ballou along with Ryan Green, typically with you 6 to 8 as well as 8 o'clock thereafter. And, uh, you know, I was kind of joking earlier in the week, I was thinking this was somewhat of a super group, you know, kind of like Asia or the damn Yankees or, you know, maybe Blind Faith. But as you know, in our text line, about to be lifetime enclosures, you can complain, 641-1010. And obviously they don't like us because we're starting our show today at 12.07. So the word is out. <laughs> you know, just try to get these guys in and get them out. Start them seven minutes late. Knock them off today at 2 o'clock. We've done two shows, and the reviews are obviously thumbs down. I will, uh, I will take the Fifth Amendment on that and let you uh, speak on that one for us. 12.07. Anyway, that means we have a break coming up in, what, four minutes? <laughs> is, is, that, is that what's up? All right. Uh, it's a great day, though. Uh, can you imagine being in Boston today and, and having that be your bowl in Chestnut Hill and get that short trip to play a game in the pouring rain, two degrees, uh, two degrees above freezing at Fenway Park? Yeah, there's no doubt. If I'm SMU in Boston College, you know, you live for days like this to qualify for a bowl game, to enjoy all the fruits of your labor from a long season, and you get to play in front of 5,000 people at Fenway Park in a monsoon, in 34-degree temperatures. This is what bowl season is really all about. Of course, around here, things will change coming up on Sunday. They're going to meet for the eighth time. Carolina, an advantage in this series lifetime. Four games to three, although the Jags up 2-1 to one at home. The last time they met, October of 2019, the Jaguars on the other side of a 34-27 to 27 loss. They are a six-and-a-half-point favorite, a very low total in this game, 37 and a half points. And good news today for the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence will play. He'll be limited. He'll work in only individual drills. The big question will be how much throwing will he actually do? You know, we were talking before the show, and the Trevor Lawrence injury obviously is big, and Christian Kirk still being on IR, although for whatever that's worth, I believe Monday the Jaguars could hypothetically open his 21-day window. This will be the fourth game that Kirk has missed coming up on Sunday against Carolina. And those are obviously two of probably your top five players on the roster. So they're very, very important guys to have injured right now. But aside from that, I mean, you're coming into New Year's Eve, into week 17, game 16, and you look at the Jaguars who have been decimated by injuries the entire year. The Jaguar defense is essentially intact. I mean, those are your guys that are going to be out there on Sunday. There's not any injuries mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball offensively, if I were to tell you that your starting offensive line is going to be Cam Robinson, either Ezra Cleveland or Walker Little, and then Fortner, Sheriff, and Harrison on New Year's Eve, you would have absolutely taken that a month ago. Um, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, Calvin Ridley, all healthy. I mean, all things considering, Rick, as bad a season as it has been for injuries, the Jaguars are getting somewhat healthy here towards the end of the year. Yeah, and it's a, it's a battle of attrition. This applies to each and every team. Just look at all the quarterback changes that are going on this weekend. Some of those are non-injury related, but this has been a very intriguing year. I don't think there's a dominant team. I think a switch can be flipped, and you can go on a run here. I mean, who's to say Jacksonville doesn't win Sunday, win next week, 
win a home playoff game here during wild card week, and then probably off on the road uh, with an opportunity, who knows, to win during the divisional round of the playoffs. When you look at team total numbers, is there one that sticks out for you that you look at head and shoulders above anything else? Team numbers now, not individual numbers, team numbers. Oh, I think the lack of rushing. I think not getting anything done on the ground. I'm just me. talking about in general, a, a number, not a team, but just a number. Total offense, scoring offense, oh. uh, po- you know, time of possession, turnover, takeaway ratio. Is there, is there any – for me, it's always been scoring offense and scoring defense. I mean, isn't that what you play for? Your points that you score, the points that you allow. Mm-hmm. For some reason – and again, it's another one of those deal like coaches play, they don't play backups, they don't play backup quarterbacks. Coaches think differently than we do. And that also applies to the league. Why they ram team offense and team defense down our throat, to me, is a totally misleading statistic. For instance, look at Carolina. They're 2-13. and 13. I'm reading several different articles to get ready for this game, and I keep hearing Carolina has... The fifth total defense in the NFL, even though they're 2-13. and 13. Fifth total defense. They allow 296 yards a game. They have the 30th scoring defense. Right. Look at that difference. Fifth in total yards, but 30th in scoring. I mean, they're scoring defense right now. They give up 25.4 points a game. You talk about cooking a book. Uh, or cooking books and, and, and trying to find a way that you can force the way that something is supposed to look. This is amazing to me. And why do so many continuously go with total offense and total defense and not the most important numbers, scoring offense and scoring defense? And some of that is, well, Carolina turns the ball over, puts their defense in a bad spot, their defense can't stop the opposing team from getting in the end zone, thus your scoring defense is, is hurt where your total defense would not be. It's kind of similar for Jacksonville. When you think back to the first eight games, nine games of this year, back when the Jaguars were five and two or six and three or seven and three, remember the good old days about, you know, a month and a half ago, the Jaguars led the league in takeaways. They were one of the best in turnover differential. And that has been obliterated and shattered and crushed over the last three games. I mean, when you turn the ball over, what do they have? 12 turnovers in this four-game losing streak? They had four last week. They had, what, three against Cleveland. They are turning the ball over at an unbelievable rate over these last four games. That turnover differential has been destroyed here in the last month, which is why the Jaguars find themselves in a four-game skid. Jaguars legend Dave Wydell among those unhappy with the fact that we're on at noon. Oh, my God, Baloo on at noon. Uh, What will we do on a text that, uh, that Dave just sent me? I'm trying to get Dave on here to rip this offensive line. And I've spoken and text with him off there. He won't do it. He's too good of a guy. Dave Wydell's too good of a guy. He's not going to come on here and have anything negative to say. That's that small fraternity. I mean, when you're in, you're in, you're in. Plus, I'm shocked that Wydell's not keyed into this matchup right now. BCSMU, an ACC school against a future ACC school. You would think that the great Dave Wydell, who, of course, starred there, would be totally enthralled. Yeah, Boston College and SMU will be conference rivals. I'll tell you one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had talking football in a long time. It was a couple years ago now. There was some brown water involved at a cigar bar. Leon Searcy and myself, Leon's going to join us at 1 o'clock today. We were sitting down. Leon was holding court, and in walks Dave Wydell. 
And so you got two Jaguar offensive linemen from the good old days with cigars and brown water. And, Rick, I can tell you the stories that were told in that cigar bar for about 90 minutes were absolutely spectacular. Oh, yeah. I was privileged to be sitting there <laughs> listening to what they were saying. All right, two really good guys. When we come back, we're going to switch things up a little bit. I, I've had this buried now for over a week and a half. I actually sent you the email uh, when we're on together or on one after another at uh, at night. Jaguar fans are not going to like it. Yeah, and this really boiled my blood and I think it's going – I think today's the perfect day for it. It's kind of chilly out. When I, when I got in here about an hour and a half ago, there was no sun. So I, I think that this story is best set for today. I think a lot of us would avoid it. I'll never do that to you. But, again, it's another example of how we are received. And I say we are, meaning it doesn't matter where you're from. I think it matters where you die. Right, and and I'm going to fall into the wooden box right here in Jacksonville. Whether it's you know I go with a couple of double of cheeseburgers today after the show, and I, I I die this afternoon, or I live another thirty plus years, I I do not know. But but Duval is officially um, my home, and this really upset me, and I know it upset you. I can't wait to hear what our listeners have to say. And there's a lazy narrative nationally surrounding Jaguar fans from the media, from just football fans in general, people that don't know what they're talking about, that don't do research, that don't do anything, just a lazy narrative when they stereotype Jaguar fans, and it happens all the time. And this list you're referring to, it happened yet again, and I got a feeling when people hear about this, it is going to fire them up. I'm not good at, 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 at radio teases. Sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I get swayed away. And it's something that I'm going to work on and be better at in 2024. But I'm going to make a promise right now. And this isn't a political promise. This is a truth teller promise. We're going to start with this in five minutes. We're going to come back and we're going to hammer it. Anything outside of, um, uh, I won't even say it. I don't even want to jinx it, okay, would not allow us to get to this story. It's coming up in less than five minutes. All right, opening comments brought to you by Schmunez Vision. I've known Dr. Neil Schmunez uh, forever. And, you know, let's go back to eight and a half years ago when I went in just for a normal eye exam to see if I needed an update as far as my prescription uh, with my contacts. Went in there, and lo and behold, what happened? He found something that needed to be removed immediately in my right eye. This is a family organization, high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Think of a car wash. Think of a mechanic. Too many of these companies, they're all the same. They just get you in, get you out. Cash checks, right? There's not enough sensitivity. There's not enough um, of a relationship that you do have with your doctor. This is something I've always had with Schmunez Vision. And you know what? I trust them 100%. Every time I go back, never an issue, never a setback. Feel real comfortable about anything that could happen. After COVID, experiencing a lot of headaches, okay? I got the jab, that made me go sideways, okay? I was trying to figure out what in the heck is happening. My eyes was a big part of it. Dr. Schmunez took, par, uh, took care of that as well, whether it's cataract issues, blurry vision. Um, you're talking about Dr. Uh, Dr. Catherine Schmunez. Combined, you have more than 30 years' worth of laser eye surgery experience. No matter what it is, they're your one stop. Check them out online. Go to schmunezvision.com, schmunezvision.com. Care you can see the good folks at 
Schmunez. R.J. Saunders producing the program. He is Hacker Nation. I am Rick Ballew. On the other side, they have spoken again, and damn it, are they ever wrong. Details, five minutes away. Hacker 1010XL 92.5 FM Jaguars and the Panthers Sunday at 1 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear it right here. Pre-game coverage begins at 8 o'clock. We'll take you all the way through the fifth quarter. So 12 hours of game day coverage, Rick, coming up on Sunday. It is Fan Appreciation Day down at Everbank Stadium, and we always appreciate our listeners here on 1010XL, so why don't we hook him up right now? Yeah, why don't we do that? R.J. Saunders is a giver, and he's got two tickets for the matchup. But here's the deal. You need to answer this question. We know in 1995, when Jacksonville and Carolina rolled in, a couple of expansion teams, Tony Baselli became the first ever Jacksonville Jaguar selected. He also was the first player to ever go to the Hall of Fame. Fred Taylor, one of the 15 finalists. We're going to get to that coming up in a little bit. But we want to know who Carolina's first ever player drafted was. If you can tell us who that Panther was, you get two tickets for the matchup coming up Sunday between the Jaguars and the Panthers. And you get an opportunity right now to talk with R.J. Saunders, the number 641-1010. Okay, let's get after it. Um, Really bothered by this, really disturbed. Uh, again, another recent poll, a recent survey. This is in connection with betonline.com and chat uh, GPT. Do you do the GPT stuff yet? Have you GPT. It's kind of like um, an expanded, uh, almost Google, but it does a little bit of work for you. Like, like say, say all of a sudden we found out we had to interview – Someone from SMU after this thriller that's going on right now at Fenway. <laughs> yes. Between SMU and BC. And you and I have no clue what's going on with SMU. You could go to GPT and ask what questions football related should I ask? And and they'll provide answers for you. Really? I, yeah, I think they only take it through like 2021 or 2022. I don't use it nearly as much, but I think the younger generation really does. Anyway, it's it's a new it's a new tool hmm. that's becoming quite popular. Um, it's called, uh, again, uh, GPT. All right. So they came up with the top five toughest fan bases, and they went through all 32 to the what they say the weakest fan base in the National Football League. This is based in order on toughness, okay, a mix of historical team characteristics, fan loyalty, the general aura associated with the team's city or region, results are in. Okay, no surprise at all. Old school teams, blue-collar type teams are the tops. Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Chicago, Philadelphia. I'm a little bit surprised by the Raiders only because they've been in Oakland, L.A., Oakland, and Las Vegas. Nonetheless, they came in at number five. Do we have a winner, RJ, for those tickets? We do have a winner. Who is it, please? Andrew. Andrew! Congratulations. We'll see you at the bank Sunday. You and uh, someone else to get two tickets. Uh, the winner was Kerry Collins, for those who may have forgotten. Kerry not- Collins went after Baselli. I don't think Carolina had 
the number one pick. Carolina, for some reason, had like the fourth or fifth pick that year. Yeah, have to look back on it. Uh, it was weird the way it worked out. Yeah, but he was their first he ever draft pick. He was the first ever draft yeah. pick. He was Tony Baselli in Carolina um, back in the year uh, 1995. So congratulations, Andrew. You have a couple of tickets for the game on Sunday. Okay, so let's get to it. We can go through all 32 teams, but I don't want to do that. Instead, I want to get straight to it, okay? Uh, 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32. Arizona at 28. The Rams at 29. The Bengals at 30. The Chargers at 31. And the team that they believe has the weakest fan base in the National Football League, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, when you say weakest, again, just for clarity's sake and for people that are listening, they're defining weakest by what? What's the criteria here? Historical, uh, a mix of historical team characteristics. Okay, the Jaguars are a young team. All right, fan loyalty. That's bogus, and I'll get to that in a moment. Right. The general aura associated with the team's city or region. Okay, and, and a lot of that, you know what? The Super Bowl being here was great for a lot of different reasons. It was also bad that it was here. Because Jacksonville has been ripped unmercifully by a lot awful. of people for 20 years because of that Super Bowl. Bro, I was in Chicago. Yeah. And a bunch of Chicago people were here. And I had a bunch of young girls at the time. And I was driving around, dropping off at school, picking up because I worked nights. And I was listening to these people in Chicago where it was like it was outside right now. It was gray. It was cold. It was rainy. It was awful. I hadn't seen the sun in a month. And they were complaining about Jacksonville. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? You're right. The Super Bowl really hurt this city. They got awful weather. I didn't go to the game. Again, I was in Chicago. I want you to continue your thought, but I just want to tell you that I was there, and I heard people in Chicago. Chicago. You get 30 nice days a year in Chicago Mm -hmm. complaining about Duval. It was the national guys. It was Rome. It was Kornheiser. It was all the guys that had a big voice back then um and, and and look so it was great to have it here but I think ultimately 20 years later the aura as you mentioned of Jacksonville was affected by that Super Bowl and by the way the people that put the Super Bowl on here did a fantastic job they cannot control the weather all right they can't do anything about that um the fan loyalty aspect of this saying Jacksonville essentially has the weakest fans as far as loyalty goes is absolutely crazy, ridiculous, whatever verbiage you want to use. I know you do a lot of out-of-market interviews, like I do. Like, we had Mike K on from Charlotte yesterday to preview the Panthers. I go on Charlotte radio to talk about the Jags. We go on Kansas City radio, Buffalo radio, you name it. And almost across the board, they'll ask about Trevor, and they'll ask about Doug Peterson, but they'll also ask about moving to London. And are there tarps still on the stadium? And this, that, and the other. That's what people outside this city think of your town, of your city. They don't know any better. They don't care to educate themselves on it. And what's unfortunate is you go to any market, Pittsburgh, New York, you even saw it in Kansas City last week. The defending world champions, their upper deck was pretty empty mm-hmm. for a team that's all of a sudden 9-5 and five in middle mm-hmm. of the pack in the AFC. Right. Imagine being the worst team in football 13 out of 15 years, which is arguably what the Jaguars have been, the worst. I don't care if it's Arrowhead, if it's Lambeau, if it's whatever they call that thing in Pittsburgh now. If you have the worst team in football 13 out of 15 years, there's going to be 15,000 empty seats in every one of those stadiums too. There is a core 50,000 here that is as good as any core 50,000 in the league, and nobody acknowledges them 
because they like to refer to Jacksonville as a punchline, and it's really a shame. Yeah, and, and obviously the stadium is too big. It's, it's a city where more and more are moving in daily, but those folks are not Jaguar fans. They're coming from other parts of the country, and you're now asking them to become Jaguar fans. And when you're consistently a losing franchise, that is going to hurt. Now, I understand that they're on the cusp of winning a consecutive AFC South title, and, and that is certainly going to turn some things around. But what do they expect when they say tough? Do, do they need video of fans beating up other fans uh, in the stadium, in the parking lot? I mean, they're saying they're not tough. That that drives me crazy. The, the one part of this that I, I'm not going to offer a complaint, but I'm just going to ask straight out. When you say the aura associated with the team city or region, is there enough of that here in Jacksonville? Okay, and, and what I mean by that is I can only base this on the four places I have been in my entire life. Boston, Tallahassee, Chicago, and Jacksonville. When you go to mom-and-pop places in Boston and in Chicago, when you go to dive bars where your feet are stuck uh, to the bricks or the pavement, whatever it is, everywhere in that city, Red Sox, Cubs, Bears, Patriots, even with the Patriots stuck. Is there enough of that around? When you drive around Jacksonville and you look at billboards, when you go into your favorite watering hole, is there enough where you walk in and if it was a picture in a movie, you know, and a movie begins and you're like, what do you think this movie is being shot? Where is it located? Trying to figure things out. Is there enough of that around here where when you go into places, it's Jaguars this, it's Jaguars that? I'm thinking of the places that I go to and I have spirits. No. No. First of all, we don't have a lot of mom and pop places here in town. We have crap Irish bars here in town. But it's plastic. Oh, I'm going to get that Tony Baselli autograph frame thing and, and put it up there with, and show that it's authentic and all that. I'm talking about old school you know, this guy came in and had a beer at my bar. I snapped the photograph of him. I'm going to put that 8 by 10 up and have him sign it and, you know, not have it look like some college graduate interior decorator came in and did it. No, I want the thing slapped up, you know, wrinkled in one quote. You know what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get at? That's aura of, of, of a city that's been around for a long time. Like Tailgater's Bar, for instance, or something like that. that that's right on the cusp of the stadium. We don't have enough of that. We don't have enough signs that are hanging up. You see the one over the Main Street Bridge that says, Go Jags. There's not enough of that in this city, in my opinion. Well, and a, a lot of that, too, is going to Boston. Go, I mean, the bars around Fenway Park for the Red Sox, the bars around Gillette Stadium at and, Patriots and they've place. Been there for hundred, And they've been there for over 100 years. And I, I get that. And I'm not going to relitigate, you know, the fact there's nothing around that stadium downtown, but there is nope. nothing around that stadium no. downtown until they do something about that, and hopefully they will sooner rather than later. I think I'm a good test case because I'm 40 years old. The Jacksonville Jaguars played their first game in Jacksonville when I was 11. And when I was 11 years old, my dad and my uncle were Washington Redskins fans. Because the Redskins, I guess I could call them that. That's what they were called back in the mid-90s. They were the team that was on here. And I had some other family members that were Miami Dolphin fans. So I'm 11 years old. I'm a Jaguar fan. I grew up at Altel Stadium and, and, you know, Jacksonville Municipal Stadium. And now, of course, it's Everbank Stadium. And the generation that I'm in, right, the 30- to 40-year-old generation, 
is diehard, passionate Jaguar fans. Teal Street Hooligans, Bold City Brigade, among all of those. The problem, Rick, is that our children, now I, I got to the party late, my son's only four, but some 40-year-olds have teenagers. You know, some 40-year-olds have 10, 11, 12-year-old kids. Our children don't know anything but the Jaguars being awful. I know. Yeah, so that's fair. We, we were 11. We had to adopt the Jaguars. And everybody's like, well, when the next generation of Jaguar fans, you'll see the fan base ignite and explode. Well, you saw that. And you have seen that with the brigade and everybody, every other fan group. But our kids don't know anything except the Jaguars being terrible. I got a buddy that's got a 16-year-old in high school. Is a diehard Travis Kelsey, Kansas City Chief fan. Lives in Jacksonville. Why is he a diehard Kansas City Chief fan? Because they've been good. Yep, yep. That that that's fair. Uh, a, he's adopted the Chiefs because they're the team that's winning. Well, we all love winners. We all. Love, I mean, it's it's hard to support a loser. It's hard to support consistently a loser. You see it around here. Those Florida State bad years. Look at that stadium. Those Florida bad years. Look at that stadium. Look at everything around here. Every sport. I mean, the Florida Panthers five years ago drew about 5,000. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they're one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. They sell out. Tampa Bay, you know, the Lightning built that brand-new stadium downtown. That, that may be the best ticket in the state. You go to a Tampa Bay Lightning playoff game, let me tell you something right now. That is electrifying. Here's one right here, uh, 8259. Rick, those other cities have multiple franchises. That's my point. This is all that you have. This is it. And, you know, I've been to every NFL stadium. I want to tell you something. I go to Indianapolis. There's not Colts crap all over the place. That's a Final Four town. That's a NASCAR town. That's a hoop town. I've been on Broadway. I went every year in Tennessee. Nashville isn't a, oh, my God, it's a Tennessee. It's not. Houston, RJ, you were in Houston. That city is ridiculously spread out like this one is. That There's not Texan stuff. So, in the division, I think you can make the case that Jacksonville was the most passionate fan base out of those four teams. Yet they are far and away, according to this poll, using two sources, Bet Online and Chat GPT, that they're not. And it it bothers me. Yeah, well, that poll is bunk. I, okay. I, I don't agree with the poll. And that goes back to the passion. The Jaguars have been awful 13 out of the last 15 years, yet. Despite all that, they are getting a consistent 50, 55, 60,000 people at that stadium. Again, other NFL fan bases, I don't know if that would happen. In Chicago, the Bears have been awful. Look at some of the crowds at Soldier Field mm -hmm. as of late. Right. They're not getting 55,000 people right. in there. At least they hadn't been in the last couple of years before Justin Fields. That, to me, speaks to the passion and the strength yep. of this fan base. It's a very good fan base. Here's another one, 3408. He says he lives in Charlotte. He's from Jacksonville, and he says there's, there's no Panthers uh, fan, uh, presence. And, and you know what? I agree. I was at that game in 2019 uh, when they lost 34-27. I go every year in late July for the Atlantic Coast Conference football meetings. We go out at night, okay? There's no Carolina Panthers presence. Um, Jacksonville's getting a raw deal here. But what I'm trying to do, and what I'm the reason why I raise this is they're trying to make a point. Wouldn't it be, I mean, quick, where is there a Jaguar bar in town? I, I don't know. Are they out at the beach? Are they over here in Tinseltown? I, I don't go anywhere near, what do they call it, the town center? I get freaking hives if I get within a mile. With seeing some of those overfed individuals looking for parking spots, I just stay clear. From, but 
give me give me a great Jaguars bar in Jacksonville when when you go there, you know it's Jaguar represented. It's a great Jaguar town. I'm trying to figure that out. I know we have done shows in the past with the fifth quarter that have had some good Jaguar bars, some good Jaguar representation. I think your point is there's not nearly enough of them. And I, I don't know, you know how you change that. I guess winning will change a lot of it. But again, it's been hard to be mm-hmm. a Jaguar supporter when they've been in the doldrums like they have a majority of the last decade and a half. I, I think Jacksonville is better than Miami. I think Jacksonville's better than Tampa Bay. I, it's better than Tampa. I got family in okay. Tampa. The Buccaneers are just a – they're not a big presence there either. All right, let's take a break. So, again, this is kind of twofold. I don't agree with the poll, and I'm complaining about the poll. However, trying to find a way to make it a little bit better. How do you make it better? And, you know, I'm not going to mention names of places if you don't spend money on this radio station. That's just the way I'm wired. Send me a bar. Send me a restaurant that is a great Jaguars restaurant. I, I feel I know, except for out there on the west side. That's, that's Iraq to me, okay? I mean, I, I, you might as well put me over there. I know that outside of Cassett and Blanding and, and watching the, uh, uh, the women take the stroll and the, and, and the tumbleweaves on Lane Avenue. Outside of that, I know nothing about the west side. That's where but, you grew up on the ball over there, man, <laughs> on the AM600 back oh in the day. Oh, my God, 1990 coming in. I was like, here, here's where you're going to work. I'm like, what? I would tell you that story. I Do won... we even have running water at the, uh, off of Lane Avenue? I won trivia over there, and I'm thinking I'm going into this great building, the ball, Rick Ballou, and I think it was Bill Riley was the morning guy, and – I turned out it's a dirt road in the middle of the woods. I'm like, where on earth are they taking me? In my nearly three years of the ball, I never used the lavatory once. <laughs> I'm talking about to go number one, oh, not number man. two. Yeah. That's how disgusting. That's how unethical the bathrooms were at the old ball. Okay, this sounds like a smoky lounge. Now, if you told me this was a smoky lounge that had count it up, count it up, count it up, count it, count it up, count it up, a Dave Wydell towel that has never been washed before hanging from a wall or something like that. That and I could see me ordering a couple more Irish shots, a couple more tell more dues, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean it's atmosphere to me. And, and I'm not ripping. I'm not ripping. I'm I'm trying to make it better. I'm tired of the negativity. I'm tired of this city getting, you know, the Jason Kelseys of the world out of nowhere saying Jaguar fans suck or whatever. I'm, I'm, I've had it. And, you know, this poll is bogus. But how do you make it better? And I'm getting a bunch of names here from a bunch of restaurants and bars that don't spend money on this radio station, so you're not getting a free plug. However, if you'd like to advertise... Here's my cell number, 315-5924. Get to me. Although I am devoted to those over at the Blue Crab Crab House. Yeah. GF went last night with her friends, Dollar Oysters. I like the, uh, the living room type feel at the Blue Crab Crab House. Yeah. yeah. They got some Jaguars memorabilia there. They do. Yeah. But I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I, I, I just, it, it, you know, back when the Super Bowl came here, and Paul Atner, the columnist of the Sporting News, calls me up and says, Baloo, I'm going into Jacksonville. Give me, give me a couple of good restaurants that I should go to back in 19... Oh, that would have been what, 2000? 2004. I'm like, yeah, five. restaurant. Okay, yeah, there's a, there's a great Chili's right there on Bay Meadows. 
All right, I go to the, and also that's catty corner to a uh, BW three. <laughs> you get smothered, covered and diced at the Waffle House on Butler. You know what's great about that BW three and that shopping uh, area is that you don't even have to wait for a waitress. You get to go up and order, and then they like call a number and you go up and you get your own food. But I was like, at that point, you know, in my life, I was making zero money. I was like, a nice restaurant in Jacksonville. I didn't even know what a nice restaurant now, in fairness, in Jacksonville was. In the last 20 years, there's a lot of nice places to go to Oh, yeah. Now. Ba- back then, there was no Tinseltown. Or Town Center, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if, again, that is a that, that, that's no radio embellishment. I legitimately said there's a great Chili's on Bay Meadows. <laughs> okay? Because that's, like, that's where I lived, and that's where I basically— You lived on Bay Meadows? Yeah, when I first moved to the town, I lived out there. Actually, I moved right out here, right on here off Southside. I lived. Uh, I lived for right nine, by the school for nine months. My mom got transferred over, and I lived on the Bay Meadows Golf Course when it was actually still a golf course. We lived on Hole 16 for like nine months before yeah. we moved to uh, Mandarin. That Chili's you're referring to is still there, I believe. Then I uh, moved in with my girlfriend at the time, and that didn't work out. So I moved out, and unfortunately, she got in an accident, but became a multimillionaire. Because she had a great ambulance chasing lawyer. I'm like, just my luck. How about that? You know, just my luck. Doug Peterson spoke today. Gave us the very latest on the health of Trevor Lawrence. Defensive guys, say like Andre Sisco had a shoulder earlier. You know, you can harness those things and kind of keep things nice and tight. And he can still practice, right? Uh, as long as you don't bang him around and all that. Well, with the quarterback, you're handing the ball off, you know with that right arm, you're throwing with the right arm, you're, you're stressing the shoulder a little bit more. So um, those are all things you got to be careful of. And it's really a tolerance thing, you know, more than anything else, but you still want to be careful, you know, uh, every day you're out there. If it's a tolerance thing, he's playing. Yeah, you go Trevor f- Lawrence is a tough guy. Yeah, you go from a DNP, a do not practice on Wednesday, to being limited on Thursday. Odds are you continue in that trajectory, you're going to play. But I will go back and say what I said yesterday – and look, I don't think it's crazy because Cecil Shorts, a former Jaguar player, said the same thing. I know it's a must-win against Carolina, and I know Trevor Lawrence gives you the best opportunity to win. But man, wouldn't it be nice if you could just win this game with C.J. Beathard to have Trevor, who's probably 75-80% now, to have an extra six or seven days for what is likely a must-win in Nashville next week to get that much healthier. I know coaches don't think that way. And odds are it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. But do you want to keep throwing him out there at 75%, keep getting him injured every single week? So next yeah. week, we're talking about something else leading into the Titan game. Well, as you said it, as you said, that's not the way the coaches think. And, and again, I think you could make that case and it would be more, it would have more substance early in the season. But here we are, week 17, game 16. And if he can go, he's going to play. And if it's a pain tolerance issue, I'm convinced that Trevor Lawrence is going to play. A couple of other bits of news. Uh, Christian Braswell, his 21-day practice window ended yesterday. He is not going to be at practice today. will not be activated. So his season officially does come to an end. He will revert back to the reserve injured list. And you heard Taylor Dahl mention it a moment ago during her update. The other big announcement that did come out today is on Tyson Campbell broke the tip of his finger in that matchup uh, against Tampa Bay last week. To me, that's still fascinating. Yes, the game is out of hand. Here we are talking about why didn't you sit down Trevor and Travis. They did sit down Andre Sisco and Tyson Campbell in that second half, which, and I know they're both coming off injuries, but 
Trevor's now had four injuries, and let's not let it get lost that Travis Etienne has been playing with banged up ribs and a chest. And I'm not going to say anything that I don't know for sure, but some of the things that I have heard involved with ETN, it's a lot worse than what people may believe it actually is. Yet they flat out refuse to give Dearness Johnson any carries or Tank Bigsby your third-round pick any carries. They only gave ETN six carries at that. Everybody's banged up this time of year. But as we talked about, you look at the injury report. I mean, Carolina had eight guys yesterday that did not practice. And I'm not counting the two guys that sat out due to veteran rest days. So they basically had 10 guys that did not practice, eight of which had injuries in some capacity. We'll see what happens when their injury report comes out today. Every team is banged up. But again, Rick, for all the injuries the Jaguars have had, and obviously there's still two big ones with Christian Kirk and with Trevor and the uncertainty with Trevor, all things considering this is going to be as healthy as the Jaguars have been in a while when Cam Robinson and Zay Jones come back. I mean, I there's really a like lot them. of bodies that are going to be out there for the Jaguars, and they're yeah, getting I mean, healthy at the end of the year. I mean, they've only scored 19 points in the last two games. Uh, I would expect this to explode. So if, if you hear people say, well, wait a minute here, Baloo, it's the fifth overall total defense in the NFL. Okay. They're also the 30th scoring defense in the NFL. There's a lot of analogies I could give you right now, but I'm not since we're midday. Yeah. That's the difference between getting me at night. If I was on at 6 o'clock right now or later, I would absolutely drop that. But I have a feeling with the holidays going on, there's some little boys out there listening, some little girls, and I want to I want to respect that. Well, school is out. We welcome all listeners to 1010XL. Do you like the matchup, though, on Sunday between Derek Brown and Luke Fortner? <laughs> Are you excited about that one for the Jaguars? All right, let's ask our buddy uh, Leon Searcy about that. He joins us next, getting a lot of stuff in on the poll. Okay, we'll, we'll revert back to that as well. Because um, I know it's boiling your blood, and it should. And, and again, I want to be concise on this. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it better. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of ways uh, to improve this. And, and, and taking someone out and beating them in the parking lot is not one way. No, that's the wrong way. But having establishments, having places in town that that feel like Jaguar only related, I think would be very cool. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. One o'clock hour has arrived. Baloo and Hacker with you today and tomorrow. 1010XL, 92.5 FM. The Jaguars and the Panthers on Sunday, the regular season home finale. Let's talk to a guy that's played a lot of big games in a Jaguar uniform. You hear him every day on primetime. And you get him weekly here on Hacker After Dark and into the night. That's our buddy Leon Searcy. Leon, how we doing? How you doing, gentlemen? Doing well. Hey, Leon, appreciate the time as always. Before we get into the game coming up on Sunday, let's talk about your former teammate, Fred Taylor. Leon is now in the room. He is one of the 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They will talk about Fred Taylor the first time he's made the finals list. What's your thought on Freddie T finally getting into that room? Well, I mean, listen, it's a hell of an accomplishment. You know, Freddie T is one of the all-time greats, in my opinion. And uh, I may be a little biased because I blocked for him, but uh, amazing talent, amazing speed, amazing uh, agility, uh, strength, power, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, he's all that stuff wrapped up in one. And, and his breakaway ability. I mean, listen, you give Freddie T, you give him an a, a ounce of daylight, he's out the gate. I mean, he he had the home run. You're talking about the guy who had home run speed at any given time. 
I mean, this guy could take it to the house, man. It was a pleasure. You know, the funny thing about it is that you don't realize until you finish playing how how many great players that you were blessed to play with. And I played with some of the all-time greats that I believe that Freddie T's one of them. You know, Leon, there's no such thing as small market anymore, in my opinion, with social media and that every game is is out there for everyone to see from, you know, Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon. But do you think Fred Taylor then, you think small market is the reason why he's not in? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, listen, at that particular time, uh, Jacksonville was on the map. I mean, from the, from 96 uh, to, to 2000. I mean, you know, you talk about elite teams. We were in an elite team, and Fred was on a part of those, a part of the teams that were, that were elite. So, I, I mean, at that particular era, I think Jacksonville dominated the NFL to to for, for, at some degree, and we got the nationwide attention because we had so much success for those times that we made those playoff runs. So, um, I, I don't, I just don't believe in that. And listen, I believe that if if you're good, if you're great. You, you should be honored, and, and, and that's the reason why I believe that Fred should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and what's amazing to me, I, I really went back and crunched some numbers today. He's 17th all-time in rushing, 11,695, and that's where it ends. Everyone ahead of him is in the Hall of Fame, except for two players who are not eligible yet, Frank Gore, who of course is from the U, and Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson. All of the other 15, or all the other 14, excuse me, are in the Hall of Fame. And, Leon, you know what's amazing here? If you look at players, historically speaking, with 10,000 yards or more, Fred Taylor's average of 4.6 yards a carry is only behind Jim Brown and Barry Sanders at 5.2 and 5. Also on there, believe it or not, is Tiki Barber at 4.7. He's not in the Hall of Fame. But just to kind of put that in perspective, yards per carry, he's right there with Jim Brown and Barry Sanders. I, and I'm not surprised. I mean, listen, before, you know, Jim Brown passed away, uh, I can remember there was an interview where Jim Brown said he loved watching Freddie T. I mean, if that's not if that's not uh, accolades, if that's not his recognition, I mean, what else is? I mean, Freddie T was just one of those backsmen who was, you know, he was just, he was so elusive and, and, and had a great job. Uh, his jump step, his, I yeah. mean, that, it's not easy. His jump step, slide, and then run. Yeah. I mean that that that's, that was the thing of beauty. I mean, I remember the first time Baselli and I saw him. We was in we was in a uh, stadium. I think we were scrimmaging the defense or whatever. And we ran like a thirty six or thirty seven zone, and he took it to the house. And me and, and I remember me and Tony looking at each other like, <laughs> "Wow, we we we, we got this one." Hey, uh, I I forgot to put OJ Simpson on that list at four point seven. I don't want yeah. him getting mad at me. No, you don't no, want you the juice getting mad at you. No question. Yeah, because you know he, you know he's he's on Twitter now. He might call you out. Yeah, the juice is very active on social media. Leon Searcy here with us, former Pro Bowl offensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, Leon, they got to do something on Sunday, right? I don't care how they do it, man. They got to find a way to have more points than the lowly Carolina Panthers. You got to end this four-game losing streak. Amazingly, there are scenarios where they can win the AFC South on Sunday, Leon. There's also a scenario where they could be eliminated from winning the AFC South. So you want to talk about must-win time. We're pretty much here in the city of Jacksonville. Well, you know what? I, listen, I, the, the Jaguars just need to get back to the business of playing ball. I mean, stop playing. You know, get back to the business of playing ball. This team needs to find some kind of identity, especially offensively. I don't know what we are offensively. We don't have any kind of staple of what, what we want to do. 
I mean, try running the football. You know, try being physical up front. I mean, I mean, you, at this particular time of the season, I mean, all the other teams are in cage matches and we're on the playground. I mean, you 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 got to be your intensity level in December has got to be uh, impressionable upon the, your your opponent, or you're going to get beat. This, this team just just I mean, I listen. When I saw that game last week, and I know it's time for us to move on from it, but when we played Tampa Bay, I mean, that team looked like a team that is they didn't want to make the playoffs. They had no desire to play in any more football games, and that that was disheartening because. You need to be playing your best football right now in December, so it can carry over into the into into January. And and this team right now, uh, it to me just doesn't seem to be mentally or physically ready to move on into January. You know, I look at some of these draft picks, and it's it's amazing to me. I'm I'm really down on Luke Fortner as a former third round pick at center. Then I look at this year's third round pick. You know, Tank Bigsby. He's had six snaps in the last five games. He's had two carries. In the last five games, Leon, if you can't run the ball and you're down by three possessions, why not give Tank Bigsby the football this past Sunday late against Tampa Bay? Maybe you can flip that switch. Maybe he finds something. I understand it's been a really bad year, but in a meaningless situation like that, why not go to him? Well, I, listen, I agree with you, Rick. I mean, when you're down by three scores, or the, the one thing you could do is you know give your rookie some you know some carries but essentially you got you gotta you gotta also know this rick that you know this late in the season if the guy's not getting any reps man it's because you're not trusted you know at this particular part in the season i understand it was already a blowout you could have gave the kids some reps but it's, it's apparent to where it's apparent to me that and just my history of knowing being in the league where, where young cats don't get plays is me because they either they're either not uh exerting themselves in practice to where the coaches staff want to give them reps or they're not trusted. They're not trusted to. Uh, uh, they're not trusted in the playbook. So I mean that that could be an indictment on him, or that could be an indictment on the coaching staff. Uh, but for whatever reason, this kid's not getting any touches. It has a lot to do with himself, in my opinion. Final moments with Leon Cersei. Leon, one win, right? Sky is falling. They've lost four in a row. People here are thinking that the season's over. One win against Carolina. Will that get the ship corrected, in your opinion? It will. I mean, it, it would just change the energy in the building in the office. You know, when you're on a losing streak like this, man, four-game losing streak, I mean, everything's bad when you come to work. The coffee sucks. The donuts suck. I mean, the relationships with people, you, 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 you're grim and groom. Uh, it, it's just bad. So, I mean, you just got to get your mojo back, something, something sort of saying. And a win will help you get your mojo back. Because that one win and then another win against the Titans next week, I mean, now you've got this new energy going into the playoffs. And then, listen, I don't care how you get to the dance. You know, I don't care what the date looks like as long as you get to the dance. So, I mean, it could get, it could be ugly, but in the playoffs, anything can happen. You never lost at home. You never lost with the Canes. You had a lot of success in Pittsburgh and, and, and Jacksonville here at home. I got to believe there's internal pressure there, two and five. Can, can you relate, or maybe you can't? to what they're going through now about winning a home game here against a, a two and 13 football team? Yeah. Um, well, it shouldn't be any pressure. I mean, to be honest with you, Rick, I, I've never experienced more than a three game loser streak. And it happened actually, actually, actually came from Jacksonville when I was with the Steelers in 95. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but, but when you play, when you play an inferior opponent, 
I mean, you got to know that you can impose this will on it. But they, the, the one thing about the NFL, there are no JV teams. And any particular Sunday, a team that looks bad on record can come out and play the game of their life. They're literally their Super Bowl. They have nothing else to lose. So this Jaguars team has to jump on this Panther team early. I mean, you've got to you got to jump on them early and, and take away any hope that they may have in this game because if you make it a game in the fourth quarter and they're hanging around and they're they're a possession away from taking the lead, I mean, now you're scrambling. Now you're scrambling. You're trying to stay afloat, and I think that's the last thing this team wants to do. So, what you want to do is take this team out early and often, and then kind of and then kind of uh, cruise on through the third and the fourth quarter because if you make it a game and they're down by a possession. And they can win it. Doesn't look good for the home team. Hope that doesn't happen this Sunday. Hey, Leon, last one from me. You're one of the best offensive linemen that's ever played here, so you're the guy to ask. They can't run the ball. Trevor's getting killed every game, getting injured every game. Statistically, the offensive line is ranked 30th or whatever in the NFL. I mean, on paper, they look like they are awful. Uh, from a guy that played that position as well as you did for over a decade – is it as bad as guys like me and Baloo believe it is? They're soft, hat, and no other way to put it. When you're ranked 30th in the NFL, you you can't run the ball, you can't protect the passer. And that's an indictment on everybody that starts on that front line. I mean, from tackle to tackle, interiorly as as well. So so I mean, I don't know how you rectify that. I don't know how to I don't know how the Jaguars are seven and a half point favors with an offensive line that can't run the ball or protect the passer. I I really don't. I mean, right now, I mean uh, they're the worst, in my opinion. They're the worst seeded team in the playoffs right now, in my opinion. Hmm. And they and 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 they're soft up front. And I don't know how you rectify it. I mean, this is week what sixteen, week fifteen or sixteen right now. Yeah. I mean, you can't. What can you do in practice to 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 get them going? I, I will not. What I know is this offensive line does. I mean, everything is position blocking. No, there's no flat backs. There's no get off. They hardly get to the second level because they can't get on double teams effectively and get off on linebackers. I mean, I, I, it, it's sad to see um, this offensive line that, that I prided so much when I played, play this poorly. Hey, Leon, have a great show coming up this afternoon. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rick. Right. Appreciate yep. the hat. He'll, uh, he'll get things started here in 45 minutes. He'll uh, get things cranked up today at 2 o'clock. Again, uh, afternoon show for Angie and company off this week. Hacker and I have been doing it from uh, 12 to 3, 12 to 2 today. They'll be on 2 to 4, primetime, then Jaguars programming. We will be back 6 to 8, yours truly, on Monday. You beginning at 8 on Monday. I, I, I do want to say that today's show is also brought to you by the good folks over at Patriot Roofing Services. You know, it looks nasty out there, right? I haven't been outside in a little bit, but it, it, it certainly appeared that it was going to be bad. A lot of rain, man, if you got a roof that's leaking, all right? if you got a roof that is just in need of change, whether it's residential or commercial, give my buddy, uh, give my buddy Mark Tuzolo a phone call, 982-4052, 982-4052. As a matter of fact, he texted me a moment ago. He said he's got a couple of good Jaguar places uh, that, that we can go to. I, I'm, I'm open for any invitation. I want to explore. I want to find out what I have been missing. And, again, I'm looking to make things better here uh, for the city. But whether it's gutters, sun tubes, skylights, no subcontractors, it's all with Mark Tozzolo. Give him a call, 982-4052. Best bet, just check him out online. Patriot Roofing Services, all types of commercial and residential roofing and repairs. 
Let's take a break, and then we got a lot to do here on the other side. we got a lot to do. We're going to keep track of Houston and Indianapolis. We're as interested in those games this weekend as the Jaguar game. Interesting injury news about guys that are not practicing for the Texans today. Ooh, that is a tease. That's on the other side. Right, a lot of bowl games going on. The Canes didn't even ask uh, Leon Searcy about the Canes. They come up in less than one hour. They're in the Bronx today. <laughs> That's big when you go Fenway Bowl and then go to Yankee Stadium for the next bowl game. My goodness, New York City in the middle of Boston for bowl games. And on December, what are we, 28th? Yep. Yikes. Not good at all. Hey, do you think advertising works? My buddy Jeff Gump uh, just sent me a text. Heard me talking about Patriot Roofing. Of course it works. Uh, that's why we do it. And with that said, I have a comment I would like to make real quick. Simmer on golf. Don't drive off the road because the reputation is terrible. Okay? It's been considered a dog track. It's, it's like a bad meal. Okay? New ownership, new money, phenomenal changes. So I'm not going to say any more about it, but here's my plea. Go try them out, and then let me know. It's six four one ten ten on the text line. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Greens redone, new tee boxes, fairways. It's always been a phenomenal layout. They just haven't been able to keep it up. They are keeping it up now. I want you to take a good look and play Cimarron. It's incredibly affordable. Again, you're going to hear the name and you'll be like, "What?" No, come on, Blue. We're talking about, you know, we're chop house guys. We're, we're, we're porterhouse steaks. You're offering me an undercooked hamburger. Uh-uh. Trust me on this. Go try it. Brand new location. Uh, not brand new location. Right there. Still part of the 210 Mafia. But Cimarron. I like Cimarron. I've played it many times in the past. I've not played it in the recent history. So I would like to get back yeah, out there. Let me know. Let me know what you think when you go out. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. What's your handicap these days? Ah, about a 30, 32, 31, 32. No, I think I'm uh, I'm a 14. Are you really? Yeah. Wow, good for you. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I'm definitely not that. I've earned my rep as the hacker on the golf course as of late, no question. By the way, Texans and Colts, so we're obviously doing everything we can to win against Carolina, obviously one game at a time, and we control our own destiny, and that's all great. But let's be honest, on 1 o'clock on Sunday, you're going to be looking at oh, that yeah. Texan-Titan game. You're going to be looking at the Raider-Colt game. Out in Houston today, Malik Collins, Will Anderson, John Grenard, probably the three best defensive linemen for the Texans, uh-huh. are all not practicing not today. Not good. Not good. With Derrick Henry and the Titans coming in. Now, C.J. Stroud is practicing in a limited capacity. He has missed the last two. How do you think best-case scenario for the Jaguars would be the Jaguars win – Texans and Colts lose, Jaguars win the division. I don't f- expect that to happen. Do you want the Texans to win and the Colts to lose? If you could have one team win and one team lose between Houston and Indy, what's best for the Jaguars on Sunday? Well, we're, we're talking about average to below average teams. So when I get there, to me, it's always avoid the best quarterback. Now, this is a weird scenario because on the surface C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew however he's been injured and he's a rookie and he's gonna have to win on the road so those are three things that are going against him 
Minshew has experience. He's played at home. He's played on the road. And I think overall, Indianapolis may be a better team if you were to take away the quarterback. So I'm almost almost going away from what I would normally look at in this situation. I think if push came to shove, I still am going to take Indy here. I'd rather have it be the Colts because Stroud could again just show up and get right back to where he was, you know, prior to that injury. But I got to look at those three things, Hack, man. You're talking about a rookie who's been injured going on the road. That's a bad recipe to win a playoff game. I'll tell you this, too. The Jaguars can win the division with a win and losses by the Colts and the Texans. On the flip side, the Jaguars can be eliminated from the AFC South race if they lose to Carolina and Houston and Indy both win because Houston and Indy play each other week 18. That game is in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So, to me, if I could have one team win and one team lose this week, I would choose the Colts to lose to the Raiders and the Texans to beat the Titans because I would still like Indy at home against Houston Week 18. That game is an Indy next week, right? It is an Indy. Indy's actually 3-4 and four at home, 5-3 and three on the road. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, interesting. And Houston 5-3 and three at home, 3-4 and four away. So, you know, pretty bizarre numbers there. Of course, Jacksonville had the best away record in the NFL uh, with five overall wins. Uh, that has now been... Uh, replaced within the conference by Baltimore with an away record of 7-1. and one. Um, Who do you like Baltimore-Miami this week? That's for the number one seed in the AFC. Baltimore is one of those teams that no matter what I do with them, it, the opposite happens, uh, including last week. I, I imagine that just about everyone picked San Francisco. I, I, I know that I did. Baltimore's real sneaky here because they, they remain the one team in the NFL that – wants to run the football before they actually do pass the football. And, and man, you lose Mark Andrews and, and you lose, you know, J.K. Dobbins. And you never hear any excuses coming out of Baltimore. Then again, we're not tuned in the way we are with the, with the Jaguars here. This is one of those deals where I'm just simply going to say home field. If this was in South Florida, I think I would take Miami. It's not. It's going to be cold. It's going to be in Baltimore. I'm going to take the Ravens. Yeah, the Dolphins have not played well outside Miami. And here's how quick the NFL can change. Miami's celebrating that win over Dallas. They're on top of the world last week. If Miami loses to Baltimore, very plausible. And if Buffalo beats New England, very plausible. Then week 18 next Sunday, Buffalo travels to Miami. AFC East will be on the line. Mm-hmm craziness it is and you know I've been saying it now for quite some time it's it's uh it's certainly not a shock but this is about as nuts as I've ever seen this league I mean this thing is wide open and and again I think if we were to just take 10 phone callers in a row and say quick who's going to win the Super Bowl I think we get seven or eight different answers which is not something that would have been the case over the last 20-plus years where, you know, you basically knew. And, you know, you mentioned it yesterday. It's true. You think of Kansas City. I still think they're the most dominant team, certainly in the NFL, if not absolutely in the AFC. Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. That is nuts. That means something. Yeah. In, in, in college football, and, and tomorrow we're really going to begin to talk about Michigan and Bama and talk about Washington and, and Texas. To me, one of the biggest – issues in college football for national championship teams is trailing in a game. 
being behind in the third quarter, being behind in the fourth quarter, Georgia had forwarded with a couple of games this year, South Carolina, Auburn, what have you. Obviously, Georgia uh, now out of it. But that's a huge sticking point for me in college. If you're blowing teams away all year and and you're winning by 21-plus points and you're not tested and then all of a sudden you get into a bowl game or now the college football playoff and you're up against that, I, I think that really can crush a program. I don't look at it that way in the NFL. But what I do look at is playing in the cold on the road. And all right, Patrick Mahomes is used to the cold. He's in Kansas City. But Patrick Mahomes has never played. He played in neutral site Super Bowls. But he's never played on the road. What's it going to be like if he has to go to Baltimore? If he has to go to Miami, you know, that's a totally different ball game from him than what he's used to, even though he's had a stellar career. The difference in the Chiefs-Dolphins at Arrowhead compared to the Chiefs-Dolphins in South Florida is 180 degrees. Because at Arrowhead, it'll be cold. The field will be choppy. It'll be gross. Tyreek Hill and that fast Dolphin offense would not have near as much success. In South Florida that Dolphin offense will thrive in no. January against Kansas City. So home field means weather, means field. It's obviously not just about the crowd. Quickly, the 25-minute period that the media was able to view the Jaguar practice has just ended. Trevor Lawrence was not seen for that 25-minute period. Take that as you will. E.J. Perry, Matt Barkley, and C.J. Beathard were the three quarterbacks that were visible Trevor Lawrence was not out there. Now, Doug Peterson did say earlier today that he expected Trevor to do some individual stuff. But again, for the 25 minutes that our colleagues were allowed to view practice today, Trevor was not seen. Yeah, and, you know, we can we can spin this now. It can be one of two things. That's by design to let the media see anything. What if he did throw it and they looked and said, oh, my God, the guy's got a broken arm. Or this could be just simply, we told you he's going to work, only individual drills and that's it, and we're not going to let you see anything. Let Carolina think right now. Let, let them whip out the tape and, and, and look at C.J. Beathard and, and spend half their time right now, you know, evaluating uh, what he could do with the football on Sunday as compared to Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to stick with two things here. Number one, I think Jacksonville wins this football game. I, I, I think they win by more than a possession. Okay, I'm talking, you know, well, I guess seven points is a possession. I, I think they win by a touchdown or more. Number two, until I hear of a setback, I think Trevor Lawrence is your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, based on history, certainly you would believe that. Now, as Trevor mentioned yesterday, the shoulder is obviously different from the knee or the ankle when you're a quarterback, and it's your shoulder. Obviously, that's a problem. We'll see. But if he went from a DNP yesterday to limited today, the trajectory does look good if Trevor cannot go for whatever reason, and it is C.J. Beathard, Rick, do you still believe Jacksonville would win by yes. more than a possession? They're a better team. I, I, a possession, you know, listen, I don't bet, so it wouldn't matter. Uh, by a possession, I would say no. You know, I would say maybe a field goal, but that's fine. I mean, again, I, the way I am, I, if you are a better, I would never lay points. Why would you lay points? They're two and five at home. <laughs> you don't lay points. This team doesn't respond at home. I mean, they had unbelievable opportunities Sunday night, Monday night, and they fell flat on their face. But I don't bet. I mean, a one-point victory is good enough. Now, let me ask you this. Now, I'm not asking Doug Peterson or anybody else down there. I'm asking Rick Ballou. If it's up to you and you think they can win with C.J. Beathard, would you 
give Trevor Lawrence seven more days of rest and play Bether to get Trevor as healthy as he can for Tennessee? Well, you know, that's a trick question. If you tell me they're going to win, sure. The guys had four injuries. I mean, I'd have to be a knucklehead. But if you believe Bether can, play, can, can yeah. beat them. I, um, I'm convinced that if Trevor can play, he does play. I agree and, with that. And um, say what you want about him. I got some buddies of mine texting me with different thoughts on this, that, that he's not a tough guy because tough guys, kind of taking your stance on this, I'm not putting words uh, in your mouth, but okay, he's a tough guy, he's playing, but they haven't won. They've lost four straight. So I understand that side of the argument, and I think until we hear something <clears throat> that goes the other way, I do think that he is going to be the starting quarterback coming up on Sunday. All right, when we do return, let's put our final thoughts on this one. Yeah, someone just put in Buffalo at 2009. Buffalo's freaking scary, okay? Including Kansas City. You think of a worse place to go right now to play a, play a playoff game? You remember how much of an enormous break that was for Jacksonville to get Buffalo and London? Yeah, it was a huge break. And keep in mind, if Buffalo beats New England and Miami loses, that's a, that's a division title game next week. The last time those teams played in Buffalo, like two and a half months ago, didn't the Bills beat them by like 30? Just crushed Miami up there. Have to look back on that. Final thoughts coming up on the other side. Over the saxophone, I believe, right? Gotta love it. Smoky Lounge and a sax. Three fingers worth. Have more do. We're winding down. We got five minutes remaining at primetime next, but tomorrow, noon to three. I'm already looking forward to that show. Got some big things planned on Friday, a getaway Friday. Last show of 2023. God, that's sad. Time's flying. Enjoy each and every day. All right, Fred Taylor among the 15 who are now finalists for the Football Hall of Fame. I, I've said all along, I thought Fred would get in next year. I hope he gets in this year. I thought he was a year away. I think Tom Coughlin and Fred, I think combined, you know, out of the next three years, they're both going to get in. Um, Jimmy Smith's got a chance to get in as well. I tell you what Jimmy Smith needs. He needs these other wide receivers to get in. Torrey Holt, Jaguar great. Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne among the 15 that are on the list this year. It would be great for so many reasons to see one if not two of those get in just for the Jimmy Smith reason. I would love for Fred Taylor to get in this year. I don't believe it's going to happen, but the big news last night was getting into the room, right? Fred had been in the 25 list of the semifinalists, I believe, for three or four years, and he had always not made the cut to the final 15. You got to be among the final 15 to get into the room, as they call it, to be discussed by the voters. Yeah. And I'm going to have some Hall of Fame voters on Hacker After Dark, I believe, next week to talk about this a little bit. Um, now that Fred is in the room, keep in mind, it took Baselli a long time to get into oh, the room. It took forever. It, it was, And then yeah. even after he got into the room, Rick, it took Baselli some years even in the room yeah. to get into Canton. That's, the, that's how you go. You get in the room, and then ultimately you get into Canton more than likely. Uh, with Fred Taylor, I mean, there's just too much competition to me Antonio Gates, I think, is a shoe in. Right? Antonio Gates gets in. Peppers, uh, Julius Peppers is probably a shoe in. It's either going to be Peppers 
Freeney or Jared Allen. They're going to put one defensive end in. I tend to agree with you. Julius Pepper should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. One of those receivers is going to get in. I would think so. Where are you with Devin Hester? You know, to me, that's a that's a novelty. That that's um, you know, that's a you know, that's a side item. You know, he's a special teams guy. I just I, I think there are more credible Hall of Famers than than Devin Hester. There was a big push for him a year ago, and he did not get in. So. I think it's a real good chance he could get in. I think Patrick Willis has a real good chance of getting in as well. One thing about – two things that I think hurt Fred. He scored 33 touchdowns in his first three years, and then it kind of went away a little bit. He was injured, but he ended up with 70. You know, he was on pace to go way north of 100, and it fizzled out a little bit. When MJD came in, he started scoring a lot of touchdowns. The other thing that I think hurt Fred a little bit is, even though it was on the downside of his career – he was in New England for two seasons and didn't win a Super Bowl. You know, that franchise won six Super Bowls, and they were always in the AFC Championship game. I think the Super Bowl matters. I really do for the, for the Hall of Fame. You know, it didn't for Baselli. But I think if you could have said with all of his achievements, he won a Super Bowl in New England, that might have been the difference so far of him getting over the hump. Well, and my thing with Fred Taylor, too, is I'm not going to be, like, upset or distraught if he doesn't get in this year because, again, I think that was such a big deal last night yeah. making it into the finals room, and that is so great that he's finally in that room and going to get discussed. I would have to go back and look at the statistics. I'm sure there's somewhere you can find this. I'm not sure how many guys get into the finalist room and then ultimately don't ever get back into the finalist room. I think yeah. once you're a finalist – you're pretty much a finalist until you get in to Canton. At least that was the way it was with Tony Baselli. One final thought on Fred Taylor. The 16 guys that have more rushing yardage than him, 14 of them are in the Hall of Fame. The only two guys that aren't are not eligible yet, Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. Both of those guys will get in. But if you put Fred Taylor in, then Steven Jackson's going to be screaming. Mm-hmm. Then Corey Dillon's got an mm-hmm. argument. Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber and Warwick Dunn. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, if you let, if you put Fred in, who is deserving. Fred was better than them all. But, Corey uh, Dillon was really good now. Was Fred better than Steven Jackson? I think he was. Steven Jackson's a darn good player. Uh, he, hey, a very good football player. And arguably a Hall of Famer. Is, I just think Fred was better. That's the question. Is Steven Jackson a Hall of Famer? Um, he's got 200 less rushing yards than Fred Taylor. And he's got more total yardage. I, I think you can make a real good case for Steven Jackson. I don't think anyone should be penalized. I don't think any of these wide receivers should be penalized. You got wide receivers with more than 10,000 receiving yards. Heinz Ward, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden, Reggie Wayne. They all should go in. That, that's my opinion on this. I, I don't care if we've gone from 14 games to 16 games, 16 games to 17 games. I don't care if rushing numbers are down and receiving numbers are up. You can't blame a player. Just like you can't in baseball when you're hitting 50 home runs, you're hitting more than 400, 500 home runs if you're clean, if you didn't take steroids. I I don't think you can penalize a player for being part of a game that changed. I agree with that. I also agree that Fred Taylor being the only running back will probably help him this time around. There's no doubt. You want to get in before Gore and Peterson. No doubt about that. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop.
All right, O'Brien, you bring this cold weather with you? What's going Oof. on? Well, I know I brought a cold with me, but I'm Uh-oh. slowly getting over it. So we're well, in Well, breathe clear. on me. I want to call in sick tomorrow. Here's so. the problem is that I, I land in Philadelphia last Friday night, oh, right? Oh, they're so and, friendly there, yeah. Oh, truly. I got a, oh. I got a story for after the show for that. Um, and You, know, you I can say, come out with me at night. We air it all. Yeah. Beginning hey, at six. Absolutely. Uh, and my, you know, I say to my parents, I'm like, oh, my brother and sister must be, you know, they're back in their hometown. They must be out. And my mom's like, no, they both actually have a cold. They're both sitting on the couch watching Christmas movies. <laughs> and uh, they were both better by Sunday. So it's a quick, like, you know, two-day cold sort of thing. But all weekend, I'm just, like, banging my chest. And I'm like, you get your tonsils removed, you don't get sick. Haven't been sick since I got my tonsils removed. And then I woke up Christmas morning, and I was like, mm, okay, mm. that's uh, that's interesting. So, But, hey, we're on the up and up, and uh, hopefully the Jags are too. Uh, special day for you and I. It Here is. we are live from Fenway. I it's BCSMU, it. and coming up in – 20 minutes. The, the Pinstripe Bowl, which I was honored to cover back in 2017. At the Bronx. Between. Yankee Stadium. Between Boston College, who we are watching right now, and of course the Iowa Hawkeyes, back when uh, Adazio was the head coach at uh, Boston College. How is Leon Searcy going to stay focused when you have Rutgers Miami while he's on the air? Uh, I'm going to listen to the show just for that reason. Exactly what I said to Taylor Dahl as I left my office. I said, I think this show is going to be legendary, if for nothing else. We come on the air at 2. The Canes and Rutgers come on at 2.15. Now, tonight starts a big four-day period for you and I. Mm-hmm. The cutthroat, the blood, the sweat, oh, the tears, everything that has gone on in the 1010XL Fantasy Football League has come down to this. It's O'Brien. It's Hacker. It's for the 1010XL like Championship. I think O'Brien, are you the favorite? I think you are the favorite. No, I think you were, Hack, but I'll double check it right now. I haven't won a fantasy championship since 2013, so maybe Ooh. it's an every 10 years thing. Now, I'll tell you this. I started two and six, Rick. I've won eight in a row. Captain Mo is but on my side. You had like side. Amari Cooper last week. You put up 7,000 yards. And I had and you him, put him on him my bench, bench yeah. and I still beat Denmark. <laughs> I got to figure out if I'm playing Amari Cooper tonight. But Mia, best of luck. It's Thank either you, you or I. That they're going to hoist the 1010XL fantasy football trophy. Yes, a little concerned about the health of Jordan Addison, Chris Olave. We'll see what happens on that front. But uh, hey, I'm riding the hot hand in Josh Allen right now. We'll see if Dak can bounce back for you because, I mean, thankfully for them, because at first when I saw the schedule for this weekend, right, and I saw Cowboys Lions standalone, I went, oh no. Is that mm-hmm. the Monday night game? Because mm-hmm. you guys have seen the numbers, right? Yeah. We're now eight straight weeks in which the underdog has won mm-hmm. on Monday night football. It's a new record. For Monday Night Football. Yeah. Thankfully, it's a Saturday, and thankfully, Coach Campbell will be there. And, and, and it almost feels like, as well, it doesn't matter how much time's left in the clock, whoever gets the ball last is going to win Yeah, uh, with a field goal. Have a fun show today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Coming up right now, that's me and company. Hey, real, real quick as we wrap up on yep. the text line. I don't know. I didn't bring up Florida the entire show, right? The 505 wants to get this little jab at me. Hey, Hacker wins Florida's bowl game. Oh, what my is God. That Who is that? 50-40. 50-40. Here's my cell. Call. Let's... Let's go drinking. <laughs> I'm off. It's 2 o'clock. I got nothing to do. You let that bother you. A little bit. You little let bit. that upset you. It's an you. unnecessary shot. I love you, 5040. I love all of you out there as well. I don't check the text line. How do you get a hold of Hacker? At Ryan Green, 1010XL on Twitter. You can get me on Twitter as well. That's Blue1010XL. For RJ Saunders and Hacker, I'm Rick Blue. Tomorrow we're on noon to 3, our final show before the new year. Have a great Thursday.